In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Our sermon today is entitled, True Gospel, True Servant. Paul explained the severity of believing a distorted gospel. It is the same as deserting the God who called them into the grace of Christ. And then Paul, moreover, with strong emphasis, he pronounced a curse on all who preach another gospel or a distorted gospel. Not even an angel from heaven has the right to preach a different gospel, which also means no other person has the right to preach another gospel other than the gospel which they have heard. Anyone who does sets himself upon a path to destruction, which is the meaning of cursed. And uh, as we read in the earlier verses, Paul said, let him be accursed, and he said it twice. Therefore, all who believe in Christ must make sure that they believe in the genuine gospel as revealed in all scripture, not just portions of it. As we understand the gospel from the whole New Testament, even the foreshadowing from the Old Testament, even the prophecies from the Old Testament, connecting the whole and understanding the gospel, which is the center, that is the centerpiece, Christ and his gospel. Because if we believe a distorted gospel, according to Paul, you are deserting him who called you. You're leaving God who called you. That is why it is essential we know the gospel, and we have to know its accuracy based on what is revealed in Scripture. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's not all the same. And we have to test every preacher. Whatever label they have, Baptists, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, Catholics, all preachers, all who speak the gospel, who claim to preach the gospel, must be tested. And that includes those who stand behind this pulpit and preach to you. Some can't understand that. How can somebody we know and love who preached there, who took care of us, possibly can preach another gospel. That is possible. Remember the Bereans, Paul said, these are more honorable 
In Acts 17, the Bereans heard Paul and they checked Scripture if what Paul was saying was actually found there. And he said they are more honorable. And those who preach must preach it according to Christ's instructions, not man's instructions, but Christ. Not according to what we heard traditionally, but contrary to Scripture. But what we hear traditionally that is aligned with Scripture, we can agree with that. But what is contrary, we have to be skeptical about it with a healthy skepticism that wants to check the Scripture. Now, Paul, the writer of Galatians, would further explain that the gospel he preached comes from Christ directly. And those who knew Christ personally, Peter and the others, confirmed Paul's message. And we will find that in, Acts, in Galatians chapter 2. Because as Paul defends the gospel, he was also defending his apostleship because these people who visited probably southern Galatia and disturbing their faith were not only questioning the gospel he preached, they were also questioning his apostleship. And he would explain that I heard this from Christ himself. And then the apostles confirmed it as well, that they did not even add anything to it. And if you allow me to paraphrase, and these people who visited you are adding something to it, and you're believing them immediately. That's why he said, I am astonished. It's not just astonished as marvel as he was amazed. Well, in those days, those were consistent. The words, I am astonished, is consistent with disappointment. I am disappointed. Now, for some of you, I am disappointed because I keep saying to you, look in context. And you still defend your old practices. Still. <laughs> I mean, what are you defending? Yourself or the gospel? Paul was a defender of the gospel. Are you a defender of the gospel? Or you're a defender of man's ways that try to twist it to say this is also biblical rather than plainly looking, plainly receiving, and plainly believing, using our intellect, using context study, and of course relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us. I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I will not mention the church, but it's one of these mega churches. One of them who handled their Sunday school, and he's studying in seminary right now, and he was one of my, he is still, one of my students. And um, I was supposed to teach him leadership in church. I said, I can only begin with you if we begin with the gospel, then we can talk about leadership in church. But let's talk about the gospel first. On the first session, he, hear, he heard it, and that somehow he was trying to explain things. After several days after I met him, it was a changed, he was a changed person, changed man. He said, uh, they teach us to care, but they never tell us to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins as Christ instructed 
in Luke 24. We tell them to accept. We tell them to say this sinner's prayer. We justify that. But we were never told to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then many things made sense in his mind. And so there's even one pastor who told him, let me quote exactly, has God truly forgiven me? Now, if you understood the proclamation that Christ commanded his disciples, go proclaim repentance for what? For the forgiveness. Because if one truly repents, truly says, Lord, I am a sinner, humbles themselves, I am a sinner. Forgive me. I want to turn away. Give me the strength to turn away. I can do it only by your grace, not by my own strength. If they truly came there, sincerely, humbly before God, we know if that is the work of the Spirit, something happens within that person. A new person emerges that doesn't desire sin. We're not saying perfect, but the, no longer desires it. But he knows that he knows that he is forgiven by God. But not going through that. Of course, another brother in our church also claimed when he was young, he was in an evangelical church since he was a teenager. Or even younger, he participated in the activities. I think even played instruments, or, or, or joined the music ministry. It all started from a camp where he was called to come forward and repeat the sinner's prayer, and he was asked by the preacher or by the pastor, where will you go if you die? And he said, I don't know. He said, didn't you pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer, you're going to heaven. That's not in Scripture. And he believed that for many years, living in sin, because the word repent, turn away, was not there. And you wonder why some of your growth groups are continuously in sin, because you did not tell them. Christ commanded us to repent. Mark 1.15, the very first Recording of Christ preaching in the book of Mark. What did he say in the first recording of the book of Mark? What did he say? The gospel or the kingdom is at hand. What did he say? Repent and believe in the gospel. It goes together. But we don't emphasize that. The emphasize is not repentance. We made it easier because we want to be more accepting. Just focus on love, don't speak repentance. And that is a misunderstanding. You know, it's safer to stay far away from these small distortions because it brings you to what? To the borderline of false teaching. And maybe some of us cross it. But if you were proclaimed repentance, Faith, which is opposite the ways of the world. Faith in God. Faith in the Word is opposite the ways of the world. Not just a simple, I accept. I'm 
sure you may justify John 1.12, which is, which is highly prescriptive. And Jesus did not say, receive me. He said, believe and follow me. He said, repent. Those are the words he said. To receive him is more descriptive than prescriptive. Going back, Paul was saying, somebody tried to add something to you. And you're abandoning him. Because they added something. You have to do this. In this context, of course, it was um, trying to fit in the law in, and salvation. Not just faith, but the law. The ceremonial law included. But as we have stated, as Paul would explain, it is genuine faith and in the genuine gospel of Christ. Which results in what? Which results in works, obedience, morality. But morality itself does not save. Because if morality alone saves, it's just by being a good person, then Christ did not have to die. There was no need for him to come. If it's all just about morality, what's the difference with the other religions? None. But no, this time it's different. Why? The suffering, death, and what? The resurrection. The difference is the resurrection. Therefore, we must believe. And if you truly believe, you will also repent. But if sin doesn't matter for you, it's okay. I'll do premarital sex as often as I want. It's okay. And you have not repented. Because a truly true person who believes in him is bothered by it. He's bothered. She is bothered by it. And would come down and say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. A true servant of God. Let's read verse 10. And Paul was saying after he pronounced the curse twice, for I am now seeking, well, a rhetorical question, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul asked a rhetorical question. Did he seek man's approval or God's? Because if, if Paul sought to please man, he is not the servant of God, but a servant of man. Now, all who claim to serve Christ should seek God's approval, not man's. So are, are we true servants of Christ? If we are, we should seek the approval of God and not the approval of man. Man's approval is secondary, but if it's contrary to the word, it means nothing. Because it's still the word. We have to be aligned with the word. Now, every believer should live to please God, not man. However, it is possible to drift away from pleasing God, sometimes unknowingly or unconsciously if we are not focused. That is why everyone should make sure first that you believe in the genuine gospel with full awareness. Now, I hope you're fully aware that the gospel you believe in, you've read carefully. 
because if I, I cannot go to Peter today and say, am I preaching the right thing? He's gone. And John and Paul, they're all gone. What did they leave? Their writings. So we confirm with their writings that what we preach is the same gospel they heard. That's why we challenge you always, please read your Bible. And not just read it from one verse here and another verse there. I remember when my wife and I were new here, we were doing a diagnostic of the church. One diagnostic is how much people read the Bible. We found almost none who finished the Bible. Almost none. We found many who finished the daily bread every year. <laughs> well, that's not the Bible. It helps sometimes. Sometimes I can question it, but it helps. But that's not the Bible. And some have finished devotionals and books, but not the Bible. Um, I said, okay, we need to go back to basics because how can they know the gospel if they haven't read it themselves? They will believe every preacher they hear. Now, second point, God's gospel, not man's. It belongs to God. Verse 11 states, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. The one, the one I preached to you, it's not from man. He's saying it's from God. Paul made it clear that the gospel he preached to the Galatians was not from human origin. Those who preach another gospel or those who distort the gospel are not from God. True servants of God preach his gospel. So he's making a connection with him being a true servant of God and then the gospel he preached. Remember that. If you look at the text, there's a connection. He's making that connection. The gospel that he received and him getting the approval of God. So he's making that connection. So I would say for us, if we are true servants of God, then we are true servants of the gospel. And the gospel must be accurate. Paul warned, warned against the people who distort the gospel, which became a false gospel. He said it's not really different, but then he said it's not really the gospel. It's different. It's not it. Furthermore, he pronounced a curse to anyone, including himself or an angel, if they preach a different gospel. Shouldn't this give us some sort of reverence and the fear of God? Since there is a warning. There is a warning. Therefore, I should be careful in what I teach and preach. And I should be satisfied. If Jesus said to his disciples, you are witnesses to the suffering, death, and resurrection. It has to be there. Even if Filipinos think they know it so well, you have to explain the why of these things. And then what? Proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I can be satisfied there. Or I can follow the master when he said repent and believe. Confirmed by Paul when he was before King Agrippa. Everywhere I went, I proclaimed repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Everywhere he went, 
Whether you see it or not, he said it according to his testimony. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us be defenders of the gospel, the accurate one. We struggle, we wrestle to make it as pure as we can present it and try our best not to add to it for the salvation of men, nor subtract anything from it for the salvation of men. Some think church is a place where you can just rest your soul and find love. And that's in the view of the church. Well, if we do that, we will be a mega church very soon. But that is not the command. The command is not to build a large audience every Sunday. The command is what? To make disciples. What is a disciple? Huh? What? A follower of the teachings of Christ. And a disciple also spreads the teachings of Christ. According to Christ, who is the disciple? The one who denies himself and follows him. According to Christ, who is a disciple? Who can be his disciple? Those who have given up everything to follow him. You'll find that in Luke 14, in Matthew 10. He himself, Christ himself defined it. But right now we have conferences. When I look at the book on the discipleship they have, I don't even see a single verse that supports what the master said and these conferences become popular more of experientialism they're more of seminars than exposition of God's Word well if it's a seminar call it a seminar and don't pretend to preach God's Word Lastly, revealed by Christ. Verse 12, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul did not learn the gospel from man, but he received it through Christ's revelation. Paul probably referred to the Damascus Road event when Christ appeared to him in a blinding light, and he got blinded temporarily, and his blindness was gone after Christ commissioned another disciple, Ananias, to pray for Paul. And you'll find uh, this Damascus experience in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. He was on his way to persecute the church of Christ. He was an enemy of the gospel. But then after that, facing Christ on the Damascus road, he surrendered. Well, the words are not there, but he said, who are you? And Christ revealed who he was. Now, Paul would later explain that he visited Jerusalem. You'll see this in chapter 2 of Galatians, verses 1 to 10. And met Peter and the other apostles. Peter and the others added nothing to Paul's understanding of the gospel. In other words, they confirmed the gospel that Paul preaches. That is why it is good for us to study Romans carefully, again and again, and take it to heart. Now, if your attitude towards the Word is more of, if I need encouragement, I'll go to the Word. If I need guidance, I'll go to the Word. But if your attitude is not, I am a servant of God. I am a servant. I have to know the Word because I am a servant and I am a child of God. Now, add the child there. Because we were adopted children of God in Christ. But the emphasis here, we, well, 
We're going to talk about sonship later on or being adopted as a child of God. Paul would explain that. But allow me to introduce that right now. But what kind of servant are we? Do we look for the revelation of Christ as revealed in Scripture? Or we just see the Bible and church as finding guidance in my career path? Finding counsel how to restore my marriage, how to give me guidance on how to parent my child, how to endure the depression I get from, from studies, academics, and my parents and everybody else. And I hope I can find solution here and uh, maybe I'll look for the, uh, I come here so that maybe I want to be rich. Oh, brother. Now we come to the scripture because because we are servants and children of God. We want to know His will. It's our delight to know His will. And if we have difficulty, we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, renew my mind, renew my heart, renew my desires, that I may desire the Word of God, that I may surrender to the will of God and not fight it. application well seek to please God not man let us seek the approval of let us not seek the approval of man not the approval of man but God's one way is to believe the gospel of Christ as revealed in scripture those who believe in a distorted gospel do not have God's approval that was Paul what Paul was saying Well, not directly what he said. Let him be a curse. So definitely you don't have God's approval if you proclaim a distorted gospel. And if you believe in a distorted gospel, Paul was saying you are deserting. You are leaving God who called you in the grace of Christ if you believe another gospel. Now, some of us in our past, we worked so hard to preach a gospel, but the emphasis was on morality. And we still argue with people. We still argue the morality. What is, what is uh, right or wrong? We still argue for that. Well, we should proclaim what he did on the cross. Who is Christ? And we need Christ because we are wretched sinners, all of us. And by his grace, we have to believe in him and repent of our sins. That's how, what we should be proclaiming. We spend so much arguing on a person who has not Christ inside to change his ways. It's first to come to the gospel of Christ, a clear understanding. But who has control whether they believe or not? Not us. Don't treat the gospel like a salesman. And we have a lot, I've seen a lot just so that I can get them to the point of the sinner's prayer. I'll do everything, convince them all around all my arguments. No, we proclaim the gospel of Christ and trust what the Spirit will do. Do we persuade? Of course we persuade. But we don't treat it like a salesman, like we beg for somebody to buy. No, we proclaim. And the Holy Spirit will work in His way, in His time. Do we persuade the best you can using scriptural arguments, not our own? 
when somebody approached Christ, the rich young ruler, what shall I do to be saved? And he had this spiritual pride, and he said, well, follow the commandments. And instead of saying, forgive me, Lord, I, teacher, I am imperfect. Instead of saying that, what did the rich young ruler say? I have done all of them since my childhood. Oh, wow. It's wow. time you preach the gospel and somebody will say to you, I don't need that. I'm not hurting anybody. I live a moral life. Then what did Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Sell everything you have, then follow me. That's the way to break his pride. The rich young ruler left, sad. Did Jesus say, oh, wait, 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 come back again, come back, come back again. Uh, let's talk this over so you follow me, all right? Let's talk this over. Maybe we can talk this over, huh? Let's have a cup of coffee. Come on, uh, my other disciples, come on. Let's convince this guy. If somebody rejects the gospel we preach, they have rejected Christ. Do we try again? Sure. But never beg. Well, in a manner of saying you can plead, but you don't do everything. What I mean beg is you don't manipulate everything to get them to what? To a sinner's prayer, which in their hearts they have not repented of their sins. They have not had the faith of God. Then you tell them a lie after praying that prayer that you are saved. Funny because I have not seen that in the narratives. Now imagine working so hard to preach a false gospel. Now just imagine that, working so hard to preach a false gospel or or a, a slightly distorted one. And working so hard yet not gaining God's approval. I don't know, maybe on judgment day, Lord, I preach to so many places, and then you get the reply, well, yeah, yeah, but you didn't preach the gospel. You preach your own thing. However, however, believing the gospel as revealed in Scripture shows that one seeks God's approval. Now, I am believing that we want God's approval, right? Oh, uh, I want it. Another word is God's favor. God's stamp of approval and God's favor. I desire that. How do I do that? By crying. By crying in the place of prayer. Well, I have nothing wrong with pouring out our hearts to God. But never did it say that you win God's approval. You first have to know the gospel. We're talking New Testament here. We're talking about Seeking God's approval to be true servants of God. We're talking about believing and preaching His gospel. We must seek to please God, not man. Next, preserve the gospel. The gospel belongs to God, not man or angels. Therefore, no one has the right to make changes to it. Instead, we should preserve the purity of the gospel. Anyone who distorts is First, but all who preserve it, I should say, are servants of God. That's one way 
Yeah, service is in church. We serve one another. We, some of us help fix the chairs. If some of us need help for volunteers, some of you come here and God is pleased with you as you serve him. But don't forget the primary. Serve it with, with what? The gospel. To proclaim the gospel, to defend the gospel, the purity of the gospel, that is service to God as well. As well as serving one another when we need help from one another. We do it in the name of Christ. We are serving Christ as well. It belongs to God. Therefore, no one has the right to make changes to it. No one. Now, let us study the gospel as revealed in the whole New Testament. Not just portions. Don't take one portion and then separate from its context. We know the phrase, let Jesus in. Just let Jesus in. He's knocking at the door. Oh, that's in Revelation 3.20. He's knocking at the door. If you open up, that's not evangelism in 3.20. It's not about salvation. It's about a certain church that he is rebuking that he's already outside the door of that church and Christ is knocking. That's the context of that. So please don't let that, you know, friend, you'll be safe. You just say, Lord, come into my heart. Well, you want him to come to your heart. You have to believe in him. And if you believe in him, you will repent of your sins. We're not saying that. No, we're not adding that. It's supposed to be added. We're subtracting it. And then we're adding something else. All you need is let him in. I have so, seen so many people who let him in. And uh, I, I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in them. Now, what if, Pastor, I, I did hear that preached before, but I think I'm really saved now. So <laughs> I had a wonderful talk with a brother. And we both agreed no, it is not the sinner's prayer that saved you. It is faith in the word you heard. If somebody proclaims suffering, death, resurrection, repentance, or belief, it's you responding to that even though you think it was this one. It was not that one because that's not in Scripture. It was what? Again, we respond to the genuine God even though sometimes the vessels are imperfect. But this is still not Accurate. What is accurate? Suffering, death, resurrection of Christ. Believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. And who saves you? It's truly the Holy Spirit. Not man. Not you. Not us. We proclaim, but it is the work of the Spirit to save. So we study not just portions of Scripture and isolate the rest. No, we have to understand the gospel from the whole text. Appreciate the beauty of the narrative. The fall of man in the garden. The prevailing sin in the times of Noah. And the Lord kept telling them, spread out. And then Tower of Babel, they said, we will not spread out. We will stay here and create a tower that would reach heaven. And the Lord scattered them by giving them different languages. And then the beginning of the redemptive story, aside from just promising Eve, the call of Abraham. The call of Abraham 
and in his descendant, a nation will be born, Israel. Where the prophecies and the ceremonies will predict the Messiah's coming. And then through time, Messiah would come. In the fullness of time, when there was one language that united most of the world, the Greek language at that time, in the fullness of time, Christ would come. So this, the word of God could spread quickly to the Greek-speaking people. We see it the whole, not just a portion. We see the death of an innocent animal being sacrificed for your sin every year. An animal who has nothing to do with your sin, but to achieve a certain forgiveness, you have to sacrifice that. Some would even argue with the word forgiveness, but that animal had nothing to do with your sin, a replacement to be punished instead of you. And that was a shadow. That was a glimpse of the law that will be fulfilled in Christ. We are all guilty. And no animal can really truly remove our sin because we persist, we are still guilty. But the true sacrifice, the one who has no sin, has nothing to do with our sin, had to be sacrificed. He died receiving the wrath, the justice of God meant for us, he received it. Then he rose again from the dead because God raised him. Why? He himself had no sin. He just paid for our sin. But on the third day, as scripture says, death could not have power over him because he had no sin. The wages of sin is death. He had no sin. He rose again. And then what did he do? What did he do before that and after that? Well, before that, he, he preached, repent and believe in the gospel. And after that, he told his disciples, Luke 24, proclaim repentance. And of course, you're witnesses to who I am. That's why we believe. So brothers and sisters, let us preserve the gospel. And of course, let's proclaim the gospel accurately. The apostles confirmed Paul's gospel's message, which he received from Christ and which they wrote about, which we find in the New Testament. Let us confirm the gospel we believe in through scriptures. Let us preach accurately. Brothers, if you believe in the gospel, I pronounce you, as the scripture has, that we should also preach the gospel. Is that all right? Well, I'm not asking your permission. I'm telling you what it is, okay? I'm just saying I'm not the one really commanding you. It's the scripture that commands us. I'm just one of the shepherds of this church that says, let's follow scripture. So we encourage you. No one's forcing you, but we're encouraging you. Let us proclaim the gospel because that is our mandate. If you're looking for a mission in life, your purpose in life, let me tell you this. This is it. The other things, yes, you can seek God and say, specifically, Lord, am I an engineer or a doctor or a businessman or a lawyer or whatever or a pastor? You can seek God, but that is secondary, tertiary. That's far end. Primarily, we are first citizens of the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the King, Jesus Christ. That is primary. Don't get lost in this world. I'm not saying remove yourself and do not progress. 
I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that's not first. So don't put that first. Now, we should assess and evaluate all who claim to preach the gospel, including me. If they are not accurate, let us stay away from them and warn others. And let us preach the gospel accurately as Christ instructed. Let's not rework the gospel. No, let's not recreate it. It is as it is in all generations. It is timeless. I give you right now a piece of poetry called No Rework Needed. Are we true servants of the Lord? There's something we cannot afford to preach a different gospel as warned by Paul the Apostle. If we seek to please the Father, and we should, for it is proper, then let us persevere or let us preserve what we heard as we confirmed it by the Word. Let us remove the additions, rise above Christian traditions. The goal is to be accurate and not ever to recreate. Let us bring back the subtractions, faithful in all situations, God's Word and the Spirit at work, the Lord's gospel needs no rework. Cursed are all who preach another. Then the one revealed none other. Revealed to Paul and the others. Preach carefully. Avoid the curse. Let us all rise. And let us pray. Father, we thank you. And we glorify you. Lord, may we understand the gravity the heaviness of the responsibility to believe in the gospel as revealed plainly in scripture based in its context. And not add anything, nor subtract anything, but to proclaim it faithfully, faithfully. We know that some of our friends are maybe not see the gravity of this, but we do. Teach us to humbly and gently convince others. Because it is our mandate. We are your sons and daughters. We would defend the honor of the gospel which is your gospel. And our King and brother, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Master, our Savior, our Messiah, guide and lead us, Spirit, that we may introduce him, who he is and what he has done, and that what he calls us to do and to be in him. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning.